Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hi, Governor and Bo. Your show is the highlight of my day. Thank you so much for all that you do. You know how cute I always thought you were. Is there a book and page number you can reference me to, please? I don't have a copy of the report in front of me. Time to play the game! The majesty of this place, what it represents. 14 years as Charlotte Mayor. The history made here, it is an overwhelming experience. <laughs> well said. This is sort of like a schizophrenic rodeo. Yes, I hear you. Four years as NC Governor. Governor Bo, thanks for having me in. I appreciate it. Great to be on WBT, the big legacy station. Oh, man. Behind the scenes conversations. We served together when I was governor of Indiana, and uh, he did a great job. Pat McCrory. Double WBT presents. Uh, I honest, uh, Bo, I don't, I don't know how good he is on radio. You have to tell him that I said that. <laughs> the Pat McCrory Show. I'll do even better th- <laughs> with Bo Thompson. I'll do even better than that. I will, I will replay that line for him when we get on. Hey McCrory, God, he's giving him hell, buddy. <laughs> News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is Monday on the Pat McCrory Show. Well, our program manager sent me a memo a couple weeks ago saying, hey, can you play some, like, 80s or 90s music? Nah. (laughs) Nah. We're going to play some 60s mamas and papas. Because that's what I'm thinking about right now. The 60s. When everything was in an uproar. Riots, assassinations. Depression, war. And what we needed in the 60s is what now I'm providing in 2021. And that is release and relief and psychiatric treatment for all the people that are dealing with depression on this rainy Monday morning. Stuck in their home, can't talk to their co-workers or can't see their co-workers. They're sick of their family, <laughs> sick of their kids, sick of their spouse. They just want to get out. So we're going to bring some relief today. First of all, we've got what today? Uh, Media Monday, right? Yeah. Media Monday, where we're going to review a uh, confrontation between George Stephanopoulos and Rand Paul. We're going to review a uh, confrontation between uh, this kid, Madison Hawthorne. Cawthorn. Whatever. And a uh, CNN person. Yeah. I should have told him, don't do it. Don't do it. They're setting you up. It was most, a long interview. Well, that's because they had to set him up. And he, yeah. he's 20-something. He didn't realize that. He's going, I love to go on CNN and win the argument. No, they, they control the microphone. And then we have a contra, contra, uh, contra, what word am I looking for? Controversy. Controversy between Coach K and a student reporter. Yeah. I don't really see the controversy, but. I don't either. But we're going to calm things down on this rainy Monday and 
and give you some education of common sense that you get nowhere else and try to throw a little levity in between. And today, we're going to start a brand new segment, a brand new segment today called the McCrory Irrelevant Top 5. Because isn't it about time we just start enjoying the day stuck in our house talking about irrelevant things that really don't matter. (laughs) So we get our mind off all those things that happened in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, and especially that happened last year or even just in the last three weeks. You know, most people would charge by the minute for this. Like the old Bell Telephone calls that you'd make long distance, you get charged by the minute. But this is free on the Pat McCrory Show. The McCrory top five most irrelevant things that really don't matter. And then we're going to ask you for your top five irrelevant things. Whatever question Bo Thompson asked me, we're going to ask you to answer in the big finish. So you're involved. You're involved in this interaction (laughs) in the Academy of Common Sense. So you, the caller, are very, very relevant to the... Irrelevant top five. And what else have you got to do today on this rainy Monday? Really? What else have you got to do but listen to the traffic accident report? Is that what's coming up next? It is. Well, we better have some. We've got a few. <laughs> here, here is Steve Counts. Injury crash just out. This is the Pat McCrory Show with Bo Thompson on News Talk 1110 99.3 WPT. See, we can go the 80s route, too. We can. Both the mamas and papas and... uh, The bangles. The bangles. I think I had a crush on both their lead singers. Susanna Hoffs. And Michelle Phillips. Susanna. Yeah, she was was at the beginning of the MTV air. Mm -hmm. Speaking about MTV, which is all about media... The Sunday talk shows this this week were absolutely incredible, and there's a there's a new McCarthyism type question that's being played out in the liberal media right now that came to the the front on Sunday on George Stephanopoulos this week with George Stephanopoulos, you know the George Stephanopoulos that worked for the Clinton campaign that put out all his fires about his affairs and all the other things Clinton did. You know, he's a little 20-something-year-old, and now he's making seven, eight, nine million dollars a year being a journalist. And uh, he asked the ultimate new McCarthyism question. Now, if you don't know who McCarthy is, I'm not going to tell you because I'm not going to lower myself because that's your job. If you're going to listen to the Pat McCrory Show, you've got to pull up Wikipedia or something. You've got Google now. <laughs> Look up. McCarthy, Senator McCarthy, I believe from the state of Wisconsin. Expired. I'm not going to explain McCarthyism to you because you should know it regardless of your age. I know everyone over 70 knows McCarthy. People over 60 should know McCarthy. And I know no college student knows McCarthy because they aren't teaching civics anymore. You don't know him. (laughs) So... The basic McCarthy question back in the 50s is, are you a communist? And if you didn't immediately answer, no, sir, your career was dead. Well, the new McCarthy question 
in 2021 is, do you believe the election was stolen and there was voter fraud? If you don't immediately answer no, sir, to any of the anchors on the newscast on Sunday TV, you, you, you are crazy. You're an extremist and you attack the Capitol building. If you have any questions about the elections, how dare you? So that question was asked by George Stephanopoulos to Senator Rand Paul Mm -hmm. from Kentucky, who's a very smart guy. He's a doctor, and he's actually – he doesn't throw out sound bites just for the heck of it. I I really respect Rand Paul. I don't always agree with him, but I respect his level-headedness. And by the way, this is a guy whose family was attacked by a neighbor last year, and he's had to deal with people attacking him and his wife on the streets and in his neighborhood and nuts on all sides. So uh, you've, got the, you've got the question, and this is the interaction between Rand Paul and George Stephanopoulos. Uh, Senator Paul, let me begin with a threshold question for you. Uh, this election was not stolen. Do you accept that fact? Well, what I would say is that the debate over whether or not there was fraud should occur. We never had any presentation in court where we actually looked at the evidence. Most of the cases were thrown out uh, for lack of standing, which is a procedural way of not actually hearing the question. There were several states in which the law was changed by the Secretary of State and not the state legislature. To me, those are clearly unconstitutional. And I think there's there's still a chance that those actually do finally work their way up to the Supreme Court. Courts traditionally and historically don't like to hear election questions. But yes, were there people who voted twice? Were there dead people who voted? Were there illegal aliens who voted? Yes, and we should get to the bottom of it. I'll give you an example. In my state, when we had a Democrat Secretary of State, she refused, even under federal order, to purge the rolls of illegal voters. We got a Republican Secretary of State. And he purged the rules. But Senator it Paul, I have, to, difference, I, and those I, I have, have to, to stop occur. you there. there no, no, no election is perfect. But there, there were 86 challenges filed by President Trump and his allies in court. All were dismissed. Every state certified the results after investigations, counts, and recounts. The de- Department of Justice, led by William Barr, said there's no widespread evidence of fraud. Can't you just say the words, this yeah. election was well, not what stolen? What I would suggest is... What I would suggest is that if we want greater confidence in our elections, and 75% of Republicans agree with me, is that we do need to look at election integrity, and we do need to see if we can uh, restore confidence in the elections. Well, 75% of Republicans agree with you because they were fed a big lie by President Trump and his supporters who say the election was stolen. Why can't you say President Biden won a legitimate fair election? uh, Hey, George, 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 where you make a mistake is that People coming from the liberal side like you, you immediately say everything's a lie instead of saying there are two sides to everything. Historically, what would happen is if I said that I thought there was fraud, you would interview someone else who said there wasn't. But now you insert yourself in the middle and say that the absolute well, fact is that everything I'm saying is a lie. Well, because, I Senator, I said what the president said was a lie because to. he said, hold we're on a second. To. He said the election was stolen. This election was not stolen. This ele- the results were certified in every you're single was, state you're saying, after counts saying, and recounts. You're saying that absolutely it was, you're saying there was no fraud in it. It's all been investigated. That's just not true. So it's not what I said, sir. I said the Department of Justice found no evidence. Let me finish my point. You You said something that was not true. You say we're all liars. You're just simply saying we're all liars. I said it was a lie that the election was stolen. Premise that you're right and we're wrong. 
Well, let, no, well, let's let's talk about the specifics of it. In Wisconsin, tens of thousands of absentee votes had only the name on them and no address. Historically, those were thrown out this time. They weren't. They made special accommodations because they said, oh, it's a pandemic and people forgot what their address was. So they changed the law after the fact. That is wrong. That's unconstitutional. And I plan on spending the next two years going around state to state and fixing these problems. And I won't be cowed by liberals in the media who say, there's no evidence here and you're a liar if you talk about election fraud. No, let's have an open debate. It's a free country. fraud that overturned the results. That was stated as well by the Department of Justice led by President Trump's Attorney General. In Wisconsin, there were counts and recounts. Actually, it was never studied. That, even that's certified. not true. Even that's not true. Even William that's Barr not said true. That Barr said that. But there was, yes, he said that, yes. That was a pronouncement. There has been no examination, thorough examination of all the states to see what problems we had and see if they could fix them. That was from... ABC yesterday morning, George Stephanopoulos and Rand Paul. This is the problem with political dialogue now, is they ask a loaded question, yes or no. It does remind me of McCarthyism, which, by the way, Senator McCarthy was a Republican. And it doesn't allow people to thoroughly try to answer a complex answer. And both sides are involved in this soundbite. President Trump, by the way, by just stating the election was stolen, does not talk about the complexity of an election and where specifically there were election issues. And George Stephanopoulos just outright on the other side just says, just tell us there was no election fraud, there's no proven election law. Well, Rand Paul actually talked very specifics about campaign laws that were changed, which allowed some votes to be counted that in the past would not have been counted. Now, I don't know whether you call that fraud or illegal votes or questionable votes. We don't know because it hasn't been examined, including right here in North Carolina, where laws were changed, legally changed, by the way, at least legally until they're appealed to the Supreme Court, on how voting rules were compared to 2016, compared to 2020. Rules were changed in a lot of these states. And Rand Paul's right. Now, Rand Paul, by the way, did not vote to change or go against the Electrical College, which many of our legislators voted to do Republican. I disagreed with them on that, and so did Rand Paul. But Rand Paul and myself are concerned about how future elections will be held and what will be the laws on the ground. Rand Paul is no different than Stacey Abrams in questioning the laws in Georgia. For whatever reason, George Stephanopoulos gives Stacey Abrams a pass during her election, but not Rand Paul questioning what happened during the 2020 election. It's a, it's a good conversation to have about our democracy in a logical way, not in an angry way, in a logical way, because it's a complex issue of states' rights and federal rights and voter rights. More to come on this boy, Media this common, Monday. Boy, this, the Academy for Common Sense. It's starting yeah. off strong. And it's for free. Bargain basement price. <laughs> 8.30 now on WBT on this Monday. Back to the News Center and Jeff Atkinson. This is the Pat McCrory Show with Bo Thompson on News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. 
Welcome back to the Pat McCrory Show. News Talk 1110 WBT 704-374-3800. The Big Finish comes your way next hour on this Media Monday, Governor. Yeah, and we're continuing our discussion on can't we just have a logical discussion around voter irregularities and voter policies and what the state legislature should approve, what the federal government should approve before election, what the attorney generals can approve, not just in Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania, but also North Carolina, which we had controversy where some voting laws were changed right before the vote and some even during the vote by our North Carolina elections board, which I thought was very peculiar. Now, the Democrats say it was legal. I think it was illegal because they didn't go through the North Carolina legislature. Am I declaring voter fraud? No, I'm stating that laws were passed illegally. This is why the Academy of Common Sense makes so much sense. Because we have concrete, good discussions about how we vote in America. And there are 50 different laws, 50 different ways to do that in the 50 different states. And among those states, there are controversy about how those laws are dictated and enforced. And that brings up the controversy at the, at the, at, during Senate elections and also during presidential elections, and even in school board elections and Supreme Court elections at the state level. So we had one of our young new congressmen who seems to love TV a lot. Nice guy. I've talked to him one time. He, he's actually my representative at Lake, uh, Lake Jimmy. Um, 20, how old is Madison? Uh, Madison Cawthorn is the youngest congressman serving right now. And he, he is. He, he's 20-something, okay. 25. 25 years old. Whew. And he's a U.S. congressman. He didn't serve on city council or county commission or school board. He went straight to the U.S. Congress. And uh, he, he, he's on the stage a lot. He was on the stage of the day of the riots right before President Trump. He went on the stage and said some pretty inflammatory things. I'm not blaming him for the riot. People make their own decision whether or not the, they want to riot and attack the uh, Capitol building. I think a lot of those had decided to attack the Capitol building and planned it long before Madison and Donald Trump and Donald Jr. gave their speeches, which I thought the speeches went a little overboard. But anyway, so Madison is the, the, the Democrats love to put Madison on the TV because he's the new AOC of our party, kind of the spotlight and thinks he can hold his own. And, he, you know, he, he holds his own in most cases. But he was going against a CNN reporter who has her legal degree and has an agenda and a narrative. And she's not going to get him off the air until he gets Madison to trip up. And he was, she was challenging her, him on several points that he has made. He voted different than Rand Paul, by the way. He voted against approving the Electoral College. So this Electoral is a College, excuse Saturday me. night on CNN. This mm-hmm. is Pamela Brown. Pamela and, Brown. Mm-hmm. And Madison Cawthorn. 
you keep focusing on Wisconsin, but there were several battleground states that you contested to, that you talked about. There were several that uh, President Trump had lost. So it's interesting you're, you're focusing on Wisconsin, but would you apply the same issues you had with these battleground states to your own state of North Carolina? Because North Carolina also changed a lot of the rules, uh, even after voters had started voting. Why didn't you have concerns about your own home state of North Carolina? Well, you know what, Pam, I'm actually not aware of the laws that were changed inside mm. of North Carolina. I believe we had a very safe and a very secure election here. Uh, there were several so rules. I, there's no reason to contest that. Yeah, there were several rules, um, one of which is to extend when the mail-in ballots could arrive, I, I believe, by around seven days. That was one, and there were a couple of others as well um, that, that were changed even after people started voting. So I, I'm just wondering, if you're so concerned about the, you know, these rules being changed with the election, why, why wouldn't you focus on your own home state of North Carolina. I mean, you're telling me that your concern really is about election integrity, not politics, not the results of the election, right? That is absolutely correct. I didn't do that for any one man or against any one man. Okay. So North Carolina, though, the same issues you've had and you've expressed about the battleground states, those are the same issues that are in your own state of North Carolina. And North Carolina actually did have mail-in ballot fraud in 2018. So... So you're not concerned about your home state and, and whether you were duly elected by your own standards? Well, I'll tell you, because of the mail-in ballot fraud that happened in the midterms here in 2018, I believe our election integrity standards here in North Carolina are some of the greatest in the country. I, I think they should apply this metric all over the country, but that's so, just my opinion. So uh, the Democratic-led the, the governor's office... Talking about that were changed. Okay, so the Democratic, the Democrat, the Democratic um, governor and the, the Democratic-led election board, they all... Um, they, they turned everything around in terms of the concerns about election fraud in North Carolina. I believe they did, yes. The, act, the, the election that was actually overturned was a Republican one in 2018. No, what I'm saying is <sighs> after that there is a Democratic governor, a Democratic election board. You're saying they, they've turned things around, that things are safer in North Carolina now. So I'm just saying, so you're giving the Democrats credit then for making voting safer in your state. And so that's why you're not worried. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think our, our, our election board here in North Carolina is second to none. Uh, I voted for a different person for governor, but I will say that Roy Cooper here in North Carolina did make sure we had a safe and secure election. All right. This is where a person I, I like messed up. He didn't know North Carolina election law. He didn't know what changes have been made. And the reason he wasn't concentrated on North Carolina is because Donald Trump won North Carolina. And that's where... The reporter was trying to put him on the spot, and he was put on the spot where he said he didn't know North Carolina election law had changed, and it had changed. And let me tell you, North Carolina does not have one of the greatest integrity election laws in the country. Some of the rules extending mail-in ballots was wrong. <laughs> it was wrong and allowed the opportunity for potential fraud. Whether it occurred or not, I don't know. But it was wrong, and it was changed at the last minute without North Carolina legislative approval. So that's where the reporter from CNN caught him in a contradiction. North Carolina's election law is not the greatest in the nation. All right, Media Monday mm. will continue But it's here. a good conversation to have. But before you go on TV, you've got to know your own state laws. 
Madison Cawthorn with Pamela Brown. We'll get back mm. to this. We're going to talk to Sharon Thorsland about the Super Bowl and a controversial Coach K moment on Media Monday oh, here coming up. Oh, boy, Media Monday. Man, right now. Monday. This is the Pat McCrory Show with Bo Thompson on News Talk 1110-993 WPT. Welcome back to the Pat McCrory Show on this Monday morning. Super Bowl 55 is set after the two conference championship games yesterday. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks beat Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers to advance and then Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs beat Buffalo. And so that sets up a Tampa Bay KC Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. Governor, first time ever that anybody gets a home Super Bowl game. And on top of that, it's it's Tom Brady who's been there a few times. Well, it's kind of ironic. Now we have the oldest uh, president ever living in the White House. And now we have the oldest quarterback ever to play in the Super Bowl. That's right. And we have Sharon Thorsland, uh, I believe. Who's not the oldest radio sports personality no, in Charlotte. No, I, I can't believe you would even imply that. Well, I was going to finish the segue, but you you, you didn't let me. I was, gonna I say, did not, I was protecting you and, and, and Sharon. Uh, yeah, Sharon Thor- Sharon comes though. to us by a, a new Sarah Brewing Company on Mondays. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sharon, welcome yes. to the Pat McCrory Show. Why, thank you. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> well, um... We listen the Super Bowl. Is, we're going to be hearing about the Super Bowl for the next two weeks. Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady. Congratulations! It's incredible. But I want to talk about another controversy at one of your favorite ACC schools, Duke. Oh, I was Duke, wondering if this would come up. Duke University. Duke University. Yes. You know, Duke and Carolina have such great basketball teams this year. We have to talk something other than basketball. Well, Sharon would love every. Sharon would love everybody to know that if the uh, if the big dance started today, I don't think Duke would make it. Would, no, Car- would Carolina make it? I think Carolina yeah, would. Yeah. Yeah. They have us as an 11th seed right now, but we're we're slowly working our way back. Our freshmen are getting it together. We're gonna we're gonna pull it out. That's the only people who play now are freshmen, and that's the <laughs> highest level they reach in college. <laughs> if you're a senior, no, something's wrong. It's struggling. like me and the we're Boy Scouts. I made tenderfoot. You know, that's it. <laughs> We actually have some older players, too, and it's all coming together now. But the Dukies and um, Kentucky also struggling because they've had too many one and dinners. Yeah, your so voice gets the, so high when you get defensive of Carolina. <laughs> the Tar Heels defeated the Wolfpack. You heard that on WBT mm-hmm. on Saturday. Then following that game, uh, Duke lost to Louisville to fall to 5-5. Five and five. It's their third straight loss. So after the game, and this is what uh, the governor's talking about, a lot of people are hammering Coach K uh, because of the response to this question from a – apparently this is a Duke – uh, student reporter, but reporter. Uh, well, it's a yeah. damn reporter. You know, they they learn these bad <laughs> skills early. So this is a student <laughs> asking this question, and here's what the coach K uh, how he responded. Mm-hmm. Hi, coach. I'm just curious as to what what the next step forward here is for the team as you guys move into another week of basketball. Yeah, why don't we just evaluate this game? You know, I'm not into what our next step forward is right now. We just finished the hard fought game. Yeah, I don't know if like when. You, what what what's your major? What's your major at Duke? What's your hardest class? Econ. Okay, so say you just had the toughest econ test in the world, and when you walked out, somebody asked you, "What's your next step?" Uh, you see what I mean? Does that you have some empathy and and 
you know, just give us time to evaluate this game and then we'll we'll figure out just like we always try to do. There you go. So Sharon, yeah. what do you think of Coach K's response? Because reporters ask that question all the time, you know, right after a, a boxer gets knocked out and he gets up. So what are you going to do next? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I thought, you know, I mean, first of all, it's, it's a student reporter, and I think that Coach K could have handled that much better. Um, his frustration clearly showed there that um, they had lost fourth and four games in a row now, and he was frustrated and um, took it out on this poor Duke student, um, you know, he, he could have done a better job handling that, I think. So it's a perfectly valid question. It's like, how do you, how do you bounce back from this? You know, you're, you're tanking. What are you going to do next? <laughs> now, now, see, Governor, I, I think it could have been a lot worse. I mean, I don't, I, I don't understand what all the – and there's so many people on Twitter that I've seen since this happened, and they're just all up in arms about this. I've heard much worse than that kind of exchange. I probably agree with you, Bo, because I, I know having to deal with reporters, you know, right after you lose an election, reporters, and you're just emotionally distraught, and there's no empathy, the reporter will ask you, so what are you going to do next? And you don't even know what you're going to do in the next five minutes, much less next. And, you know, I wonder how many reporters, if they had just gotten fired and someone puts a microphone, so what are you going to do next? And they just learned they got fired. And someone actually said, so what are you going to do next? Oh, I don't know. I might write a doctoral thesis. Well, we could have said, you know, what kind of stupid question is that? Is that? But right, he he could have been worse, but he definitely could have been better. So, but it was so, a student. It was a student at Duke University. It's a teenager. I mean, what's wrong with? Frankly, I think some reporters need to be asked that when when now. They're now, asking granted, questions that are kind of like, "What's next?" All of a sudden. Yeah. If, if now, he wasn't a student, I wouldn't. I, I would agree with you more. If he wasn't a student, but it's like, come on, dude. Now, when I say oh, what kind of stupid question, I'm not saying that's what I, I. I don't think it was a stupid question, but I can imagine Bobby Knight or oh, yeah. uh, you know some other people uh, reacting a lot differently than Coach K did. I thought he did an that's interesting right. analogy of going, you know, yeah. Wonder if you had taken an e contest and right after you've, you know took the real hard test and say you failed it and what's next well i just got kicked out of school <laughs> i don't know i'm sure coach k could see to that if he really wanted to <laughs> it's not an unfair question but i don't think it's an unfair response of well, course we're talking about someone who makes seven million eight million ten million dollars a year he can handle it an inappropriate question would have been how about them heels plus that poor students <laughs> that poor students paints that poor student's paying $60,000 a year to get this education for $60,000 a year. He'll have debt for the next 40 years of his life unless he has wealthy parents. But that will be the one moment of his four-year education that he will remember for the rest of his life yep. is Coach K coming back to him. He'll be famous now. Maybe it'll parlay that into a career in broadcasting. That's what he should have said. I'll tell you Podcast. what I'm going to do is parlay your question into a job in broadcasting. <laughs> and it might get there. You never know. <laughs> hey, right, real, real quick, Sharon, real quick, Sharon. Have you ever been like someone just, how dare you ask me that question? 
I haven't, but if I have two seconds, I got to tell you the funniest story. Bob Bass, the old GM for the Hornets, yeah, yeah, um, told people not to ask a question, and somebody asked him the question again in a different phrase, and he said, "I'm sorry, son. Are you deaf? I just told you I'm gonna answer that." <laughs> it was the best. It was my first year here, and I was like, "Oh God, don't ask him a question." <laughs> I learned my lesson. <laughs> Sharon, uh, thank you as always. Thanks, Sharon. Go heal, Sharon. That's thank right. you. Was it David says the sky's Carolina blue or something like that? Yeah. Something like that. Um, yeah. Uh, hour number two coming up, and Sharon is brought to us by New Serum Brewing Company. This is the Pat McCrory Show. The real game begins. We're providing insight that they're not getting anywhere else. 14 years as Charlotte Mayor. Time to play the game. They're getting insight from someone who's actually had to make the tough decisions that's been in the arena. Four years as NC governor. That knows the game, that's played the game, that's been played by the game. Governor McCrory, really love the show. Um, oh, you an apology. Based on these recent events, I used to think that you were crying wolf, but these events have proven to be true, and yes, you called it out. Behind the scenes conversations. I'm going to say the governor's right. No talking points. Hey, man, what's going on? David from Nashville. WBT presents. Did you know Roger Stone? The Pat McCrory Show with Bo Thompson. Uh, now I know something about being stoned, but I don't know Roger. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. Media Monday on the Pat McCrory Show, hour number two. Governor, I just got a tweet here from our own Brett Jensen, and uh, he says Larkin Eggleston, who represents District 1 on the Charlotte City Council, expected to officially announce later today that he will run as an at-large candidate in this year's election. Of course, uh, James Smudgy Mitchell gave up his spot recently to avoid a conflict of interest at work. Uh, But uh, starting to see some of the chess pieces move in this uh, next local election coming up. Yeah, that's this year, not 22, 21. So uh, I think filing is in July, I think primaries in September. At least that's the way it used to be back in the days when I ran. I'll have to double-check that. The question is going to be, are any Republicans going to run? Or is this just a a blue blue city from here on out, and all elected officials will be determined by the Democratic primary? And if it is, that's when a guy like uh, Clarkston is going to have a tougher fight. Well, uh, obviously, Larkin uh, is somewhat of a newcomer to the council, District 1, and he uh, struck up a fast friendship with Tark Bakari. Did I say Clarkston? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's going to have a tough fight, too. (laughs) Clarkston's going to have to work on his name recognition. He's really going to have a tough time with his name ID. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know. uh, Larkin. I'm sorry, Larkin. Larkin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is uh, going to give it a go uh, as an at-large member. What I was about to say is he struck up a fast friendship with uh, Tark Bakari, who also entered uh, the fray at the same time Larkin did. And, you know, they have a podcast together. And are they're they still doing it? Yeah. Well, they don't do it as often, but they do it. I don't know if they're buddies I saw them. I saw them uh, collaborating just last week on something. Oh, I don't know if it was oh, technically good. the podcast. Yeah, I was, I was, was worried something. about that bromance. Well, um, my, the reason I say that is I wonder, you said, will any Republicans run at large? Yeah. Uh, he would probably be the, the one you would be watching right now. Yeah, I think he ought to. I think it would be great. Other news this weekend uh, in the media realms, and this is Media Monday, but we haven't touched on this yet, and that is the passing of broadcasting legend Larry King. 
You know, we missed that format where you interview one person for an hour. Mm-hmm. It was a great format on CNN. That was before CNN converted to a whole n- different type of network. But it was very interesting, his interviews. Sometimes they were boring, but sometimes he would ask the simple question, and we'd find more about the celebrity or the politician or the the sports star that we had never heard before. And we feel like we all grew up with uh, Larry King and his eight wives <laughs> <laughs> or nine well, or whatever it was. And, uh, but good for all- him. I should also point out that uh, Larry King was a radio star long before he was a TV star and had a uh, late night talk show, uh, which was broadcast on this station. Uh, I used to listen to him growing up. He would Hello Henry would sign off and then the mutual broadcasting system uh, syndicated Larry King for many, many years. In fact, I believe it was 78 through 94. But, you know, he was a radio guy at heart who then made the transition to TV and even had a USA Today column at one point. So he was one of those. You know, uh, you know, multimedia stars. One of the great uh, quotes that he said, which I wish some of the Fox and CNN and MSNBC and CBS and ABC commentators would uh, learn, and that is you can't learn anything from talking. And I think our, our newsmaker interviews have forgotten that ability to uh, ask a good question and let the person answer the question. And if they don't answer the question, then interrupt. And to ask questions that are delving, learning something new. And that was Larry King's ability. And that's why uh, I think media is missing the talent of Larry King right now because sometimes he asked the simplest of questions and got the answers that we were looking for, unlike the loaded questions of today by both conservative and liberal commentators. Well, he was unflappable, and uh, you could not throw him off his game. You know who D- you know who DJ Khaled is? Mm-mm. No, DJ Khaled. All the kids know who he is. He's he's a rather large rapper. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does he wear uh, suspenders like Larry King? He does not. But oh. I want you to listen to this exchange. It's about twenty seconds long. But this was floating around one of many over the weekend. But this, to me, you don't even have to hear Khaled's answer. You just have to hear the abrupt turn that Larry King made right here. Of course, I'm a hustler, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to always think nonstop how to get this money to take care of my mother, my father, my team. And not as that, to live good. You know, I, I want the house on the water. I want the nice car. I want the nice watch. I want to stay fresh. I want to stay clean. You know what I'm saying? It's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's, you should strive for greatness. How did you gain all the weight? <laughs> that is great. No That's one him. else has the courage to ask that question. <laughs> How did you gain all that weight right after all that? Yes. In other said, words, you're going to die soon. <laughs> That's what he was really saying. You know you're going to die soon from being obese. That's what he was really saying to the guy. Boy, Boy that was classic. Nine fourteen. Wait a minute. You've got to tease the next segment right now. I and do. What question are you going to ask me of the McCrory top five irrelevant things? The irrelevant top five debuts today. Yeah, and what and question are you going to ask me? I'm going to ask you... Um, uh, Larry King. See. This is a perfect Larry King surprise. The top me. five politicians that sucked all the air out of the room. That I've met. Correct. The top five politicians that I've met that do the best of sucking the air out of the room. Yes. You know, that's a great Larry King question. In memory of Larry King, the top five McCrory irrelevant 
answers to an irrelevant question. And then we're going to ask you the same question for the big finish. What are the politicians that suck all the oxygen out of the room when they walk into a room? And also, how did you gain all the weight? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Back to the traffic center right now, 915. Here's Steve Counts. This is the Pat McCrory Show with Bo Thompson on News Talk 1110, 99.3 WPT. Welcome back to the Pat McCrory Show. Time to debut a new periodic segment. You know the McCrory Top 5. Now it's time for the irrelevant Top 5, Governor. And you, part of the show is you come up with a question, the most irrelevant question to ask me, and I'll give you my answer. And you gave me a, you gave me the question right before the break, and I've, I'm prepared now. The... Top five, I want to know, the top five big shots, the five politicians that sucked the air all completely out of the room when they were in it, and you have uh, watched this happen before. The top five big shot politicians, when they walk in the room, they suck the oxygen out of the room, the ones that I've met. For example, I've met George Bush, both of them. They don't really suck the oxygen out of the room. Jimmy Carter didn't suck the oxygen out of the room. I'm trying to think of others that just, good people, they just, not all the eyes were directed toward them when they walked in. So number, number five. Number five. All right, this is going to irritate some of you, but it's true. Barack Obama. I remember being in the East Room with Barack Obama and Hall and Oates was on the stage in the small room, about 200 people. And when Barack Obama walked into the room, all the eyes were directed toward him. Just every eye. And he walks in like he's James Bond. Cool. (laughs) He has a walk about him. He has a stare about him. He knows everyone's looking at him. And in that room, especially full of Democrats, everyone was just going, there's Barack Obama. Oh, my God. And I, I just went. He, he handles it well, and kind of almost in a pompous way, like he knows it. Barack Obama sucks the oxygen out of the room when he walks in, and everyone else is non-existent, including celebrities in the same room. It doesn't make any difference. The celebrities are overcome by Barack Obama. It's true. I watched it many times. At the White House. Number four. Number four. This is an interesting one. Chris Christie. Huh. Chris Christie. I I had him at a fundraiser at a farm with 2,000 farmers somewhere in eastern North Carolina. I think in Johnson County somewhere. 2,000 farmers. And when he walked in there, I was worried that people would go, who in the heck is this? A New Jersey governor coming to a tobacco farm in North Carolina? I've never seen anything like it. It's one of those guys that you don't want to share the stage with because he sucked all the oxygen out of the room, partly due to his size. But at that point in time, he was very popular too. But I've never seen all these good old boy rednecks, 2,000 of them, respond to Chris Christie. He had him in the palm of his hands, and I thought maybe I'd made a mistake inviting him in one of my campaigns for governor. It was quite impressive. Did he suck all the air and then hold it in? 
He might have. <laughs> All right. Number three, Donald Trump. I mean, y'all see it on TV. I've seen it in person in small rooms and large rooms, in rooms where there are lines of people getting this picture. People walk in and they see him. They go, oh, my God, look at him. Oh, my God, look at him. And plus, he is a big man. He's even bigger than he looks on TV. And no matter who else is in the room or in the arena, he sucks out the, all the oxygen out of the room. For example, the Trump rallies, I've spoke before Donald Trump. You might as well just step out of the way. He's introduced me during a rally, and I've come up and spoke where he's been behind me. No one's looking at me, and you know it. They're all looking at Donald Trump's reaction to what I'm saying. He sucks all the oxygen out of the room. Number two. Number two. Number two. This is a name from the past, and it's not even a U.S. politician. It's one of the politicians that's probably the one I enjoyed meeting more than any other. Margaret Thatcher. Hmm. British Prime Minister. When I was mayor, she came to an event, international something event, and I sat next to her and introduced her in a big event in one of the downtown hotels, and people were just consumed with Margaret Thatcher. They couldn't take the eyes off her. She didn't say a lot, but when she spoke, the room was totally silent because they wanted to catch every word and every breath. She didn't speak loudly. She didn't speak strongly. She spoke in a monotone, and yet it was not a boring speech because it was Margaret Thatcher. It was amazing. And then sitting next to her, she had a, we had a wonderful conversation. She didn't know who the heck I was. And yet she treated me so kindly. And we had a conversation as though we had been friends for life. And afterwards, everyone came up to me after she left. What was she like? What, what was she like? Margaret Thatcher. And the number one. Number one. Big shot politician who sucks the name out of the room of people that I've met and seen it firsthand. Ronald Reagan. It's got to be number one. I've never seen anything like it. Most people think Ronald Reagan's like 6'3", 6 6'4". 6 He's like 5'10", 5'11". He is not that big a man, but he walks big. He walks in the room like he's 6'6". Shoulders up, head up, and people just go... Look at him. He, I've seen him in Founders Hall when he came to Founders Hall many, many years ago in the 80s running for president or something. No, he was campaigning for George Bush as vice president. Yeah. People were just enthralled when he walked into the small room with about 10 people. He just consumed the room, and people couldn't take their eyes off of him. They could not take their eyes off of Ronald Reagan. It didn't matter who else was in the room. He took all the oxygen out of the room. Ronald Reagan, the number one big shot politician that I've met who sucked the oxygen out of the room. I'd like to know what uh, politician you've met who sucked all the oxygen out of the room. By the way, I had some honorable mentions. Nikki Haley has got a future because she does too. She was probably number six. Bill Clinton, sometimes he did, sometimes he didn't. But who are the politicians that you've met that suck all the oxygen out of the room and no one else in the room matters? 
Big finish, 704-374-3800. That's right. An irrelevant question that means nothing. But what the heck? This is the Pat McCrory Show with Bo Thompson on News Talk 1110, 99.3 WPT. 704-374-3800. That is the Big Finish Hotline right now waiting for you. Our next segment is where you control the action by calling and leaving a message, and the governor will hear it and decide whether or not it hits the air. But we want to know, what do you think about the first ever irrelevant top five? Well, I want to know who, who are the big shot politicians that you've maybe met or seen that just take all the oxygen out of the room. We have a lot of people who've been to rallies, who've met politicians, local, state, federal, international. You might have a story for us. Who are some politicians that you've met where you just went, wow? And maybe some who went, you went, my gosh, they, they just don't do anything. You know, there are just some politicians that when they walk in the room, you don't notice them, and others that you everyone's staring. And I, I've watched it when I'm, when I'm sharing a stage with someone. Who, who's consuming the oxygen in the room? I'd love to have your feedback during your lifetime. Who are some of the politicians you've seen in person or have met? Might have a story for us. 704-374-3800. Hey, Bo, mm-hmm. how about you? Who, what politicians? You've interviewed a lot of politicians and talked to a lot of politicians, including Donald Trump. Did you agree with me when Donald Trump, when you were interviewing Donald Trump one-on-one right here in Charlotte, did he kind of suck the oxygen out of the room and he just controlled the room? Yes, but I will also say, having interviewed him one-on-one uh, early last year, he also has a very disarming um, demeanor when he's with you one-on-one that almost seems like how could how could a person who sucks all the energy out of the room with a huge crowd also be able to have that uh, excellent one-on-one demeanor with people i think that's part of why he's been so successful but he he can kind of have he kind of has it both ways i don't know if you've discovered that when you've been around him uh, in close proximity at but times he, i see two different personalities yeah, sometimes a very agree. humorous down-to-earth personality at, at times a very bullying type of personality yes. or a deflating personality it's quite unique. He has many different personalities. Margaret Thatcher was one of those that I talked about who sucked the oxygen out of the room. And then when you sat next to her, I was afraid to talk to her. You know, I, I didn't want to say the wrong thing. And she struck up a conversation with me and was extremely warm. Well, you mentioned uh, the politicians. Uh, your list, if people are just joining us, Barack Obama was five. Chris yeah, Christie was four. People are going to be mad about that. But Barack Obama, when he walked in the room, if you, if you go to a Democratic rally, Compare a rally with Barack Obama and Joe Biden. It doesn't even come close. Joe Biden does not suck the oxygen out of the room. I'm not saying that's bad or good. It's just factual. George Bush did not suck the oxygen out of the room. Nice guy, great guy, but not everyone's staring at him. So Obama was five, Chris Christie was four, mm-hmm. Trump was three, Margaret Thatcher was two, and Ronald Reagan was number one. And I completely agree with you. I, I, I saw Reagan, I think I might have seen him at the same event you were talking about at the Founders Hall for mm-hmm. Bush, but mm-hmm. I also saw him with my father in 1980 at, at Charlotte Douglas Airport. 
and this mm. is when he was not yet president, but he was running, mm. and he drew this humongous crowd. It's one of the earliest political memories, maybe maybe the mm. earliest one that I have, but I'm standing with my dad, and there's a, a huge group of people that are flocking to a fence where he just got off a plane, and he comes up, and I'll never forget it. My dad, if, if, uh, if he's listening, will start laughing right now, but he said, I'm having trouble talking because I have a piece of candy in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never, I mean, that's just etched in the psyche yeah. of my brain. But you know why? It's because of what you're talking about. He had such a such a bigger than life yeah. personality that anything that he said that was, de you know, directed toward you as a person, it, you can't forget that. I had the same experience with John F. Kennedy at the White House. I was, my family and I were touring the White House. I was probably five years old, six years old. I remember my parent, my mom screaming, there's the president. He just walked by. We were in the main lobby of the White House. That was back in the days of the touring of the White House. And dadgum, if John F. Kennedy doesn't walk by, and all I remember is my parents yelling at me, there's John F. Kennedy. And I would say John Kennedy sucked the oxygen out of the room when he walked in, as compared to Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon didn't suck the oxygen out of the room. Isn't that amazing? Were certain celebrities or other people, when they walk in the room, it doesn't matter who else is there. They just... They consume the attention. I can tell you somebody who, who thought they sucked the ox oxygen out of the room, and he did, didn't really. And I think you could do a whole sub list of people who think they're <laughs> a bigger deal than they are. Uh -huh. But John Edwards, yeah. John Edwards wow. walked around the room like he like he thought everybody. Wow. But, but I, I don't know. I, I think all of it. us politicians, I think everyone who gets on TV assumes everyone's staring at them. Mm -hmm. When, frankly, most people don't care if they're even there. But you assume it. Interesting that Bill Clinton was not on your list. Yeah, because he was inconsistent. He was inconsistent. There were times where he would suck the oxygen out of the room. But other times I've been in rooms with him where there was a bigger name than even him. Like an inter some entertainers overshadowed him. You know, Princess Di, for example, mm -hmm. is an example of someone who sucked the oxygen out of the room. Even when she was in the room with president or queens, everyone was looking at Princess Di, no matter who was president. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's an amazing phenomenon that certain people draw the attention and other people who are famous still don't draw the attention. They're small within a room. And this goes for presidents, the mayors, the governors, and so forth. Uh, I can remember a moment when I was with you where we saw this phenomenon happen. And it wasn't a politician, but it was at the NBA All-Star Game two years ago. And uh, if you can imagine being at the NBA All-Star Game and we were in one of those suites watching and, and they were announcing the All-Star starting lineup. So mm -hmm. the, the spotlight was on them, the crowd was, and obviously you're supposed to be directing your attention to the LeBron James and the Steph Currys. And all of a sudden, everybody up in our level immediately started looking to the side, not paying a bit of attention to what was on the court. And it was because... You could see through the panes of glass about three rows down that Michael Jordan had entered his suite. And no one cared a I remember, thing about what was on the court. I remember us staring at each other going, yeah. look, everyone is ignoring yes. the game. <laughs> <laughs> to your point. It, it's an amazing, amazing dynamic that you see. So uh, top five politicians that you've met or seen that suck the oxygen out of the room and maybe some who don't. Including me, okay. You don't have to say it. 
No, I actually think a lot of people on a local level, I mean, you were you were a seven-term mayor. I think there are people around here who would say that you would be one of those people in this community and, uh, you know, statewide, too. And I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm saying it in, no, in sincerity. It's funny when, you, when you're a public figure, you walk through a room and... And, and you hear behind you, there it goes, there he goes. <laughs> or, that's some of a <laughs> it's not. It's not good. You know, it's it's a bad language, but you know someone's saying something about you. And you then cannot you wanna, be ignored. And then you want to either, do you ignore it or turn around and go, well, thank you, or, you know, want to hit the person. <laughs> it's a weird feeling. 944, what do you think? 704-374-3800. We'd love to hear from you on the big finish. This is the Pat McCrory Show with Bo Thompson on News Talk 1110-993 WPT. Well, I tell you what, this is going to be fun. We've had just a flood of calls into the Big Finish Hotline in just the last five minutes, 704-374-3800. And it's all uh, because of the governor's irrelevant top five today. The top five big shot celebrities, politicians in particular, politicians that sucked all of the air out of the room from the vantage point of Governor McCrory. All right, let's hear about the big shots right now. My most memorable experience with a politician was many years ago during the Clinton care, health care debate and dialogue, when I had the opportunity, working very directly in the health care reform area, to be eyeball to eyeball with Mrs. Clinton. And I was overwhelmed by the, frankly, the darkness in the personality and visage of Mrs. Clinton as we discussed health care and policy. It was uh, something I'll never forget. It made the hair stand up on the back of my neck. Wow. So someone sucked the air out of the room because of their darkness, not because of their brightness. That's that's interesting. It was 1991 and former Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher was attending a dinner when former Mayor John Belk got up to introduce her. After going on a little too long, the former Prime Minister looked at John and said, would you please Stop. They've come to hear me, not you. That was hysterical and brought the house down. Well, thank God that wasn't in 1995 when I was mayor and she came for a similar event. I think I gave a one-minute intro and sat the heck down because John didn't realize that, I guess. Hey, Governor Bo. I would have to say a guy with a persona that sucks the air out of the room would have to be... Trey Gowdy. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. <laughs> Trey Gowdy. Huh. That's interesting. He, he's doing pretty good on Fox right now. He's one of the better substitutes. He looks Pat McCory, this is PW. I'm sure you're number one person. I overheard you. I've seen it and heard it myself. We were at a political get-together. You were standing over the corner with about 20 people, and in walked a man. You said, oh, my God, look, everybody. Oh, it's Bill Graham. It's Bill Graham. Have a good day, Pat. <laughs> we'll save that one for Thursday. Yes. <laughs> That's great. We're not talking about Billy Graham. We're talking about Bill Graham from Salisbury. <laughs> I was in the garage area, and Oliver North walks in. You talking about intimidating. Mm. This was back in the Watergate mm-hmm. days. This guy looked like General Patton walking through. No smile at all business. That was probably during the Iran Contra days when Reagan was president, not during the Reagan days. Yeah. 
That's interesting. He controlled the room when he was testifying in front of Congress. Governor Roy Cooper does not suck the air out of a room. <laughs> Determined. I would say that is correct. <laughs> I met John Kennedy in 1960, very mm. briefly, got to shake hands with him mm-hmm. uh, when he was campaigning in the what's now Bojangles Coliseum. Mm-hmm. And I can remember when he walked into the room, he was surrounded by probably 500 people, and your eyes went right to him. Great experience. Never forget it. Wow. That is neat. Good morning, Pat and Bo. This is Ryan. You were asking about politicians that met in our lifetime. And I met two uh, former Sheriff C.W. Kidd years ago <laughs> and former Sheriff Irwin Carmichael. I guess you would consider mm-hmm. sheriff's politicians since they did run for office. But I have met both of them many times. Of course, it's kind of hard not to because they were both my cousins. But <laughs> two, two good people. Two good people. C.W. Kidd, I'd forgotten about him. And, and Carmichael, such a good guy. Hello, Governor. Uh, this is Randy. I just wanted to let you know that I had met um, Ollie North before, and he mm. did suck the oxygen out of the room. Uh, bigger than life because you see him on TV all the time, and then you see him in person. So Ollie North, quite a guy. That's, that's two for Ollie That's North. two for Ollie North. That's interesting. Good morning, Governor. Just a little twist on your top five big shot politicians that suck the air out of the room. Let's twist that around and take a look at Monica Lewinsky and <laughs> what she did when she went in the room. Hmm. <laughs> I think you took advantage of the topic there. <laughs> Hello, Governor. My nomination for the one you're talking about is the late, great Senator Jesse Helms. Oh. Had the pleasure of working on a couple of his campaigns. Nobody like him in my eyes. Thank you so much. I had some great experience with uh, Jesse Helms. He treated me like a little son at the time when I was a city councilman and mayor. Always greeted me with such courtesy. Took me up to the Senate chambers to watch the impeachment hearings. I think Hmm. he's another one like Donald Trump that can command the room and the crowd, but also his one-on-one demeanor was second to none. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Gave full attention to you. No one else in the room. The greatest politician I ever seen was Pat McCarthy. You coming out of Walmart one day, and uh, he took his finger and pushed his hair to the side. I thought he's Superman. Last night, you know what everything's about. Yeah. I went to a Wendy's drive-in window one time back when I was mayor, real young mayor at the time, and I had the big glasses like Clark Kent and the... And the girl at the uh, driving window said, are, are you Clark Kent? All right, the beginning of the McCrory Top Irrelevant Five, as asked by Bo Thompson. What great feedback. We yeah. got a lot more we could have done, but we're out of time. I'll be back tomorrow with the big shot. <laughs>